Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. Look at your neighbor and say, so excited. That's our word around here is that we're so excited. So what I need you to do right now is do this right here. Give me some spirit fingers this morning. Teresa, she, she, can te- she can teach you how to do that if you don't know how. Um, but guys, we are glad that you are here this morning. It's, it's, uh, it's an exciting day, as every Sunday is exciting, because we get to be in the presence of God. And um, I'm super excited this morning because we have a, a young man who is here this morning who um, by far is the best looking guy in this county. If you don't believe me, you can ask him and he can, he can testify of that. Um, but uh, Pastor Strahan um, took a chance on me many years ago and gave me my first youth pastor's job. Um, and I, I, I commend him for that. Uh, we've been through a lot. Um, I've taught him how to drive. Uh, today he still owes me $20 for a, for a prank that I did in the hospital with he and Chad Hare. And I still haven't seen that money. Um, but anyway, but I'm glad that he's here this morning. He's going to come and bless you guys and... I think he was here with that when we launched our very first service, but he hasn't been here since. But I'm glad he's here. So you guys, welcome him to the stage as he comes this morning. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to be in God's house? I'm telling you. I, listen, I don't want to say a lot to embarrass Chad. Um, and when I say that, because he said I was the best looking guy. For those of you that know me, remember me. You know, that used to be a big joke. You're a good-looking pastor, you know. Or no, I'd say you're a good-looking church, and the whole church would say you're a I just wanted to hear that, that's all. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you the truth on Chad. Whenever he was our uh, youth pastor, I would take this man out. You know I'm going to tell this story. To restaurants, and waitresses would always hit on him. And if it wasn't for me and the Holy Spirit being there to protect him, <laughs> am I telling the truth? I'm being serious, man. I mean, they could now a lot of these waitresses didn't have all their teeth in their mouth, you know, that kind of stuff. But it didn't matter. They would tell him, man, you're good looking. And he's like, I am married, you know. But, but uh, I, I'll tell you, I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to be among friends. And uh, if I haven't met you before, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just very proud proud of what God's doing right here at Legacy Church. And you're just at the beginning. And uh, when we pulled up on the property, for those of you that were part of the core that started um, Life Church in 1997, it reminded me of that old property because you had to get out and it rained today. And it's a little muddy and there's some water and some of you might have lost your shoe in the mud because we had that happen. But, um, but man, these are good days. Don't ever forget these days. These are good days. And so I'm just glad to be here. There's so many of you that I could name, and, um, and I don't want to go into that because then I'll forget someone or whatever, and then all of a sudden I'll offend somebody, which is typically what I do, but I'm going to try not to do that today. But I will talk about your pastors since this is pastor appreciation. I'm honored. Um, man, you, you can't get a better couple than this couple. You just really can't. Um, I say that because whenever we came in 
there was already a core of people that had been meeting to start a church in Rainbow City. They were part of that core, and they were already working. And I can tell you, they are workers. Anything I ever needed done at the church, at the last minute, because <laughs> I got real creative at the last minute, I'd say, Chad and Teresa, what do you think? And they'd look at each other like, I don't know, but okay, we'll try. And they always pulled it off. And uh, not only that, but they loved our youth. They loved our adults. They just have invested. Some of you are here because they invested in you or your kids somewhere in the past. And um, I'm just grateful for their leadership. I really am. Very thankful to have them as friends and to see what God's doing in their life. And I know they're going to go a lot further than I ever have. And that's my prayer. My prayer for you guys. How many of you love your pastors? Amen. I know you all going to do something later on. I've only got an hour and a half long sermon, and then we're going to go eat, all right? Hey, uh, for those of you that know me, I'll tell you real quick, uh, I am in the district office. For those of you who don't know me, I'm in the district office. Uh, I was here in Rainbow City, thought I'd retire in Rainbow City. I love this place. Every time I drive up here, I just miss the people here. I miss the, I miss the, um, the, the you know, foothills of the Appalachians. I just miss this whole area. I really do. In 1997, whenever God called us here, uh, we thought this was home, and, and we just came prepared to, to die here. But God had something else in store six years ago when he moved me in district office, and uh, that means I'm in our state office. I'm over my official title is missions and men's director, which means I work with all of our missionaries. We have 77 missionary unit families that we work with, and I'm so excited because my heart's missions. Um, and then I'm, our, I'm the men's director. We have men's ministry. One of the most anemic, if not the most anemic ministry in a church is men's ministry. And I didn't even do well as a pastor, but I have just such a burden today to see men rise up. Because if you win the man, you'll win the family. I'm convinced of that. And, um, and so I, I get to lead men. I'm also over church plants and development. Uh, Chad and Teresa came to me. I, I can't remember where we met. I think we met at um, a barbecue place, Tim and Nick's, right? I think, something like that. And shared their vision and passion. I thought, are you crazy? Why would you want to start a church? I didn't tell them that, though. But <laughs> I mean, I wanted to start a church. I was excited. But come on, we know those hard days. We know whenever you're looking at the bank account thinking, well, I hope we get paid this week, you know. But, um, but man, just uh, I'm over church planning to be able to be there at the very beginning. And if you don't know, the district put in some money to help. Uh, but it's not a whole lot. It's just enough to kind of say we're behind you and believe in you. Um, so that's something I get to do. Uh, my four kids, how many of you remember Garrison? About five or six of you. He's 22. He's about to get married in 23, uh, at the age of 23 in July, and he's getting married in June. And he moved out of my house a month ago. Hallelujah, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I thought I was going to get that hole upstairs again, but Nathan's still at home. But anyway, um, but he is, uh, he's a youth pastor down in Bay Manette, uh, Florida, and I talked to him this morning, and uh, Florida, where's he at? Bay Manette, Alabama. And um, I talked to him this morning, and he's just doing great. He's doing youth, children, and graphics and arts at his future father-in-law's church. So I think his father-in-law hired him to keep his eye on him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> kind of like what y'all did, I guess. Keep your eye on your own son and stuff. But anyway... Um, and then I've got two girls, Kylie and Ashlyn, that they are studying to be missionaries at Southeastern. 
down in Southeastern University in Florida. And, man, I'm proud of those girls. They love God. Kylie just led a, a missions team to Tennessee and Appalachians, and she's going to be going to Russia in a couple of weeks, about a month or so. She'll be headed to Russia. And then our baby is Nathan. He had his prom last night. We were up to 2 o'clock in the morning with 20 kids making a lot of noise until I finally told them to shut up and leave, and they did. That's not true. My house, I, I make sure everything's set. Mom's out there. Are y'all good? And they are. And I go back to my room and hide. Anybody else like that? I got my chair, my TV, my remote, my books. I'm okay. So I went to sleep at 12, but they did leave at 2 sometime like that. But he loves Jesus. And the reason why Susan isn't here, because she would be here to honor you guys, uh, because Nathan's in the Easter drama at our home church there in Montgomery First, or else she would be here today. And so she's there with him this morning. Hey, man, this is a good atmosphere. Good atmosphere for miracles to take place in. It just takes faith. It doesn't take a whole lot other than that because he's already doing his part. You don't even have to be perfect, as Pastor said earlier. You know, we, we don't have to be perfect. He just takes you the way you are. And I believe God's got a word for you this morning. Let me have a word of prayer with you. We're going to get going. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Lord, thank you for Pastor Chad and Pastor Teresa. Lord, their, their hearts bleed for ministry. Lord, they love people. They serve so well. And God, I'm praying, Lord, a blessing on them. And Father, for all of us today, Lord, may our ears hear what you have to say. And God, may I have the ability to articulate your heart to them this morning, I pray in your name. Amen. I've got several slides. I think Tracy's got me. If I, if I start going long-winded, she's going to put up their applaud, and y'all just start clapping, and then we'll end, okay? But we got a couple slides, wherever they are, uh, for y'all to think about and look at. Go to that first slide if you don't mind. Well, okay, that's, that's what I'm going to preach on a minute. Go to the next slide if you don't mind. No, no, that's okay. Honk if you love Jesus. Text while driving if you want to meet him. Or ride with me if you want to meet him, all right? <laughs> Second slide, man. Oh, yeah. A recent study has found that women who carry a little extra weight live longer than the men who mention it. For those men that don't get that joke, (laughs) you're not going to live long. That's all I'm going to say. Third slide. If a man speaks in the force and there is no woman there to hear, is he still wrong? And all the women said, Yes, of course he is. Come on. Uh, next slide. Oh, I love this. If only he had something to block the sun. <laughs> Nothing against you millennials, but that's the millennial generation right there. It's all about looking good with a hat. Doesn't matter about the function. Okay, the next thing. Let's see what do we have. Okay, four out of three people struggle with math. If you don't get it, you're that guy, all right? You're that bird. Do I have one more? I don't even know. Oh, yeah. Arizona psychic hit by car says he never saw it coming. That is a true headline. <laughs> Isn't that great? I love that, man. I think that's all I have, right? I think so. All right. Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it good to laugh? Laughter does the heart good like medicine, the Bible says. So it's good to laugh. It's good to laugh at yourself, too. I want to preach to you today about grace and mercy, something that's been on my heart for several, for several months, for about six months, and I just started kind of going into it, breaking it down, thinking about it, and I felt like God gave me some thoughts, and I, I shared some of this whenever you guys uh, happened, to, some of you were at, the, um, at our CPD 
uh, banquet. I shared some of that then. But here's my question to you. Do you believe that God would save us from sin and not give us power to conquer sin daily? How frustrating would it be for our loving Heavenly Father to save you from your sin but not give you power to conquer sin? Think about that. Because a lot of Christians are trapped in this cycle of shame because our flesh wins out. And we don't understand that not only has your past been paid for, but he's empowered you for the future as well. And I say this as a human with flesh that has learned that you can live a sinless life. So I want to pray with you this morning. We're going to go, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for our time together, Lord. I know I've already prayed once, but God, I just, I just believe today, God, that there's someone here that you're wanting to set free. You're wanting to set them free from this guilt-ridden life, Lord, that they have just, they, they've surrendered to you. They've asked you, but Lord, for whatever reason, there's a block there that just keeps them bound up, Lord. I'm praying today, Lord, that you would just come along and God set them free. In the name of Jesus, set all of us free, I pray. Your name, amen. You see, the law exposes sin. The law was given to us but it, to expose it, but it did not change us. It made us more frustrated. That's the reason why we have the law, but then the law, all the Old Testament does is point towards who? Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says the law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And Christ has come to set us free from what is called the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death exposes sin it says you will die for this. That's the reason why we have blood sacrifices. That's the reason why every year there had to be a blood sacrifice for our sins. But then Jesus came once and for all and died for all of our sins. Does that make sense? I preach shorter sermons when y'all say more amens. All right? So yeah, there you go. All right, so God gives us this ability to live victorious over sin, and that's what grace is. So let me give you a couple points. The first point is this. We've had the wrong perception of grace. We just have. In fact, if I asked this morning how many of you, what, what you thought grace was, I know we'd get a lot of um, definitions if you've been around church. And I'm pretty sure that you would say things like unmerited favor, things like that. And that's an accurate uh, description, but it's not all that grace is. What was taught and what was implied was that grace covers our sins. And grace would give us um, um, permission to sin. That with grace, where sin is, grace abounds much more, the Bible talks about. And we were taught that we should expect to sin and that God's grace was sufficient for that sin. Does, does that make sense to you? I mean, I don't think anyone was telling us to go out and sin, but they were trying to help us cope with this shame that we were dealing with. Because we'd come to church, we'd ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life. On Sunday morning, we're on, on cloud, you know, up in the clouds, cloud nine, whatever that is. Uh, you know, we're on top of the mountain. And then by Sunday night, we've already fought with our husband or wife. We've already fought with our kids. We've already kicked the dog, and we wanted to cuss. <laughs> Some of y'all want to cuss right now. I know it, you know. <laughs> Romans 5.20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And it's not saying that we have permission to sin. What it's saying is the law showed us how much sin we're dealing with. But God prepared all of this beforehand for us to say that 
I've got you covered because grace is greater than sin. Grace is going to keep you from sin. Because we have to remember, God still hates sin. God hates sin. I can't tell you this last week. I just, I've dealt with some situations as a friend and as a counselor. We counseled with a missionary couple this week who the devil's just trying to win out in their marriage. They're about to file for divorce. Man, it just makes me mad. I just, you know, I, I, I'm an emotional guy, and I, I try not to be emotional, but, and I don't ever do it, but the in, internal instinct is I just want to hit something, you know? Um, so I go in my room and, and go to sleep instead of hitting something. So, But, I mean, it makes me mad. It makes me mad because we have a friend that you'll know, some of you know of, six years ago, um, in March of that year, his son, who was in my youth ministry, killed his wife and his seven-year-old son. And just horrendous act. But this, this isn't that kid. I'm telling you, I've been to the court. I was there at the arraignment. He is not there. He's been diagnosed schizophrenic, but he's lost in this prison system. And all that to say, I hurt for him. I hurt for the family that lost their daughter and grandchild. I hurt for the family who's the parents of the boy who lost their daughter-in-law and grandson. Sin. Sin's horrible. God hates it. It destroys lives. And He came to save us. And He came to save us not just from our sin that we have committed, but also from the sins that we'll be tempted to commit in the future. As a matter of fact, He gave me the ability to conquer sin by His power. Romans six fourteen, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Someone say amen. For you are not under the law, but you are under grace. The law of sin and death will condemn you. But there's freedom in Jesus Christ where the law will come and say, you're a sinner. In fact, what does Romans chapter 8 verse 1 say? For there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus that walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Does that make sense? So when we walk in the Spirit of Jesus Christ... And we're going after the things of Jesus Christ and the Spirit being all the power of Jesus Christ. And we're not following after all of these things of the flesh. There isn't any condemnation there. But the enemy comes along and says, oh yeah, you're a loser. Oh yeah, there's no way you'll ever make it. There's no way. You might make it to heaven, but you'll never live a victorious life here. You might make it to heaven, but your marriage will never be great. I'm telling you, he's... The devil's happy for you to be miserable in church just as much as he's happy for you to be having fun out in the world. But that's not what Jesus came to do. Sin loses its dominion over you when you are born again. And you got to know that. Sin does not have dominion over you. And even though you are not dominated by sin, you still have a sin nature. And in the realm of the law, you depend on your own strength. But in the realm of grace, you depend on God's strength. And that's what I want you to get today. You see, grace is not God's ability to overlook sin. It is His ability working in you to deliver you from sin. And that is so important for us. Does that make sense? Look at it. Grace is not God's ability to overlook sin and give you permission to sin and say, well, that's just the way you are. That's our nature. We always get angry. Well, you know, there's never been a man in our family that just didn't have an extra girlfriend on the side. I've heard that before. 
You know, well, you know, we, we've always dealt with addictions, but God is good. He is good. He's so good that he wants to set you free from that mindset by his grace. You see, the Greek word for grace in the New Testament is charis. Charis literally means divine appointment. It means undeserved favor. It means enablement to the helpless, extraordinary empowerment. And in the Greek, there's more to it than than what we understand, but it literally is showing the activity of a superior, one that can do it, as they extend power towards the inferior, the one that cannot do it. So I want to tell you the first thing. Do not give in. Conquer sin today. Do not give in to it. Romans 6.15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law? But grace? Certainly not, is what Paul says. God doesn't say, oh, well, you're going to sin. I'm going to save you from it. He's saying to you today, I've given you a life that you won't even have to sin anymore, period. But we have to yield to his grace. Grace has to do with the ability to conquer sin, not God's ability to forgive sin. So the second point is this. Everyone get that? That's good, right? Say amen. 19 more points to go. The second point is Jesus is our example. And this is where we start to learn, wait a minute, there's a model for this. Because Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. And when he came down to live as a man, he laid down his deity. He laid down everything that heaven had and said, I'm going to live life in the flesh like a man so I can conquer sin as a man to give all men and women access to the very power and throne of God. Does that make sense? So John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it shows us that Jesus is a perfect example to us, that he came and lived. But then it goes on and says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Wait a minute. Why would he need to be full of grace if he's fully God? Because he laid down his deity and now he's fully man. But they recognize he's full of grace. And again, what is grace? Grace is God's ability working in man to do what he cannot do on his own ability. And Jesus was not born with the ability of grace. He grew into it. Listen to me. Luke chapter 2, verse 40 says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. As a child, grace began to multiply and grow in his life. And he began to learn as a child the power of God. And if Jesus could resist sin, so can we. you got to say, well, how do we do it? And we use the excuse, well, man, we, we're not Jesus. No, you're not. But you're just like Jesus. Jesus was flesh. In fact, uh, we learn a lot about him in Scripture. And aside from the miracles, one of the things that we do know is that God's grace worked in his life to the effect that he never sinned. There was no sin in him. And some theologians will even argue this point. They'll say whether Jesus could have sinned or not. Well, he's fully God. How could God ever sin? How could God ever break his own law? They'll kind of make those little arguments. By the way, those are ridiculous arguments. And even the Bible, Paul says, even avoid those kind of arguments. They're nothing but you're just going round and round trying to be the smartest guy in the room. All we need to do is look towards Scripture. What does Scripture say? Well, Scripture teaches us 
that it's obvious that there is no temptation if there's no desire in the flesh. I'm not tempted to do a lot of things because I don't have those desires. But there are other people that are tempted to do things because they deal with those desires. Does that make sense? I'm not going to be an alcoholic because I never liked the taste of beer in the first place. I'm not drawn to that. You know what I'm saying? But there are some people that are. So sin and temptation, temptation can only take place if there's no desire to, uh, if there's no desire, I'm sorry, there can be no temptation if there's no desire of the flesh. He was fully human. He could die. He could bleed. He could bruise. He could cry. He had emotions. And he could sin, but he did not sin. How, God? Why are we frustrated when Jesus showed us the way? Why is it we keep going back to the same sins? The Bible says a dog will return to its own vomit. Why is it, Lord, we continue to struggle with these same sins? Because we've missed it. God's given us grace. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm just getting loud. I'm sorry. James 1.14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Temptation comes because your own desires desire that. Your own flesh says, man, I sure would like to have that, the, the pride of life, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 says, for in that he himself has suffered, how did he suffer? Being tempted, Jesus suffered. Do you think it's tough on you when you're tempted? He went through the same thing. It says that he is able to aid those who are tempted. And down in verse 15 of chapter 4 of Hebrews, and I think the scripture's back there for you. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Are y'all following me? Jesus was tempted. He struggled. He suffered, but he did not sin. And not only did he not sin, he has conquered sin to give us the ability not to sin in this world today in 2019. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've been saved since the age of 18, 1983. And if you do the math, I'm 39 years old. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, four out of three, I know what y'all are thinking. <laughs> and the thing is, is, man, I struggled for years. I've struggled with things inside of me. I've struggled with temptation. I, I've even found myself making an excuse that I would preach against other people saying, well, that's just the way we are. Well, certainly God will overlook that. That's, he knows all my heart. He knows who I am. All those things. And I know God's not up there in heaven with a big billy club wanting to beat us over the head and and, and, you know, and just beat us down. But I know he's up there cheerleading me saying, David, why are you settling for less? Why are you giving up? Why, why is it? And I really feel like God began working on me in this area several years ago. And then over the years, in fact, about 10 years ago, I was in a live church and we were preaching. Uh, I was teaching a class on Wednesday nights on grace. We were talking about grace. I'm thinking, God, this is stuff I've never thought about. And I've learned the more that I employ this principle in my life and I lean into grace and I follow after the Spirit, I'm telling you, temptation diminishes because the flesh begins to die. 
The closer you get to Jesus, you don't desire the things of the world. You desire him. Does that make sense? And let me give you the third point, and this is really important. Yeah, go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap. That's good. Because this is where it is. Mercy and grace are working. I love this. Because we oftentimes will mix this up, and we will think mercy and grace are one and the same thing. And one reason why we do today is because when you look in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the majority of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the word used for grace back then had a lot of the characteristics of what we would consider mercy today. So God was kind. He had loving kindness towards people. That's mercy in the, in the Greek. Does that make sense? So sometimes we get it mixed up. But listen, grace is before we sin. This is what began setting me free. Mercy is for after we sin. Mercy is God's ability to forgive sin. But grace is God's ability to keep you from sinning. Hebrews 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. What are we finding out? We're finding out, listen, whenever I pray, there are times I need mercy. There are times I have blown it. There are moments in my life I am not perfect. In fact, there's a lot of moments. And in those moments, I can come to Jesus Christ into his throne room, and I can find grace, and I can get help in time of need because I've obtained mercy. Mercy. What mercy is, is mercy keeps from us the things that I deserve. Mercy says, I deserve hell, but I'm not going to give you hell. Mercy says, I deserve a bad marriage because you've been a horrible you know, spouse, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you a good marriage. Mercy says, you don't deserve to be free, but I'm going to set you free. Does that make sense? Now, grace comes along, and grace gives us the things that we do not deserve. All right? So mercy keeps from us the things that we deserve. Grace says, you don't deserve heaven, but I'm going to give you heaven. Grace says, you don't deserve a great marriage, but I'm going to give you that great marriage. Grace says, you don't deserve... You don't deserve to be set free from your addictions, but I'm going to empower you to be free from your addictions. Does that make sense to you guys? You see, if we will learn that, then what we'll learn to do is, wait a minute. At the moments of temptation, what I've got to do is start leaning into Jesus Christ because in his throne room, I can get grace, which will give me power over my temptation, which will not allow me to sin. Are y'all following me this morning? This is important. Why? Because it's available to every single one of us. James 4 verse 6 says, but he gives more grace. Everyone say more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Have you ever heard someone say, um, you know, or, or the scripture, you've ever heard him quote it, resist the devil and he will flee from you, right? Well, you've got to remember that right in front of that, he says, He's going to give you grace. There's a time in your life that you resist, but there's a time in your life, I'm telling you, it's like that sin is no longer there. That temptation is not there. Why? Because if I'm filled up with Jesus, there's no room for the enemy to come in. Now listen, if you, if you can tell, my neck's got issues. My neck and my back. Those of you who know me a long time ago, I got diagnosed with the disease. I'm still praying for healing. We've been believing that. The best thing for this, or one of the good things for it, is my doctor gave me a written note that I should play as much golf as I need to. That is a true story, man. 
And I said, I'll take that. I can't afford it, but I'll take that. But um, that it helped stretch out my back. So we went to Las Vegas several years ago and took our kids. My wife calls that the city of hell. I don't know if you've ever been there or not. So we went there. We was general counsels out there. We're just going to go to Las Vegas. We went to Hoover Dam. That was really cool. I thought that was cool. Went down and saw the turbines and all that. I went to Grand Canyon. I wish I could spend three weeks at Grand Canyon. Have you, has anyone ever been there? It's worth the trip. It just really is. So anyway, but we're in Las Vegas, and we're on a Friday night, and, and we've got our kids, and we have another family, friends of ours that have their kids. So we have like, uh, let's see, we had seven kids with us, and they're all younger, and we're just kind of like walking through these crowds, and, and I'm in the lead, and, and I just know I'm headed to a restaurant. So I'm just going down, and, and I hear Susan, my wife behind me, she's not a real happy camper. And I thought, well, she's just tired. It's been a long day. You know, I don't know what all is going on. And then I discover um, that they've been handing out these little postcards with all these naked women on it to all of, these, all of our kids, which, you know, our kids felt like they were called into ministry that night to go to these places and witness. <laughs> No, they did. I'm kidding. Yeah. The majority of them are so young. They're like, well, what are those? You know, but but anyway, but uh, but I mean, my wife is really upset. I said, honey, I'm sorry. I didn't see that. I don't look to the right or left. I promise you, I look straight ahead. That's it. She said, you mean you didn't see those the pictures of these ladies up here in the in the windows? They're like three stories high or whatever, and I don't even know what they were. I never even saw it. But somehow there were some posters of ladies, and they're welcoming you to the club. I said, baby, I'm telling you. I never saw it. She said, I'm happy for that disease. <laughs> I, you know, she might not have said that word, but she's like, I'm glad you're not looking. I, I, I wouldn't look if I could, number one, but I can't, you know. <laughs> now, here, I, I say all that out of jest and fun, and that is a true story. But I'm telling you, it's something about the Spirit of God. That when you welcome into your life, your neck's not going to be drawn to look at things that you don't need to look at. Your heart will not be drawn away to things. And, and when you find your heart being drawn away, you're not a bad person. You're just walking in your flesh. There's no condemnation if you're walking in the spirit of Christ Jesus. The condemnation comes when we walk in the flesh. The one of the most powerful damaging things in a believer's life is shame. Shame will keep your mouth shut when you need a witness. Shame will keep your prayers quiet when you need to believe in faith. Shame will keep you being stingy when you ought to be generous. Shame because we feel like, I don't deserve it. Man, I'm just a loser. Man, I can't do anything right. No one else will know it around you. That is an internal battle that you'll face in your own mind and in your own heart. And I'm here to tell you, God's mercy has taken that from you. And God's grace has empowered you to live through that and above that, victorious over it. Period. I really believe that's a simple message that God's calling me to, to give to people. And you say, well, you've never, you never been you know, where I've been. Are you kidding me? Preachers are just like you. Our vocation is to be a, a shepherd, a pastor. But we face temptation. Our marriages have good days and bad days. I'll never forget Jimmy Champion, wherever Chad is. Jimmy Champion, we had a, a marriage retreat. I think you guys were there, a couple's retreat or something. And we were asking questions. You remember this? I'll never forget his answer. They were asking, how long have you been married? I want to say it was 29 years at that point. He said, 28 good ones, one bad one. And everyone in the room just stopped, looked at him like, 
dude, you're going to admit that? You know, he said, not all at one time, just a day here, a couple days there, a week here. <laughs> and I thought, that's good, isn't it, man? That's pretty accurate right there, man, you know? <laughs> but the thing is, is that shame will keep you from the things of God. And even whenever we fail personally and in our marriages, God's grace rises up within us and says, I'm not going to let you do that. I want you, Jesus. I'd rather have you. Amen? I, I, I just I want that to sink in, that he gives us more grace. In fact, what does that literally mean? James had 4, 6, when he says he gives us more grace. It means that there's grace, that there's more grace that's more powerful than any sin or temptation that there ever was. I've saved you, and I've given you more grace. Not just enough to get you by. Not just enough to get you into heaven. Not just enough to get you into church. I've given you enough grace that you can live above sin. It never matters how strong the desire to sin is. God will give you more grace to conquer it. And there is hope for your situation. If you're sitting here this morning, you don't have to confess to me because I'm not your, I'm not your priest. He's our priest. But if you're honest, you'd say, man, I've got this issue in my life I've struggled with. I believe today God will set you free. And you could be a man, you could be a woman. It could be jealousy. could be gossip. could be lust. could be an extramarital affair. It could be your past. Maybe the devil keeps dragging you back with what happened in the, in the past. Could be issues in your marriage. Could be anger. Could be, you name it. There's so many things out there. All the works of the flesh that he died for to set you free from. Whatever it is, I'm telling you this morning that God's power is able to set you free, period. And we're going to have a word of prayer. Let me give you one more thing, and then we're going to close. Um, the fourth and last thing is simply this. We have a measure of grace, we have a measure of faith, and then we have gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace, empowerment. He gives you empowerment. According to what? According to my bank account? Thank you, Jesus is not. All right? According to your bank account? Thank you, Jesus is not. According to the political stream and how well the conservatives are doing or how well the liberals are doing, thank you, Jesus, we're not tied to politics. How did he do it? He gives us grace, a measure of grace, according to Christ's gift. And his gifts are immeasurable. In fact, the Bible says you can't even dream what God has in store for you. You can't even begin to fathom it up in your own imagination. It is so big and so beyond and exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you could ever dream or dare even to ask. That's God's dreams for you. That's Christ's gift. And he says, that's the grace that I'm given. I have an immeasurable amount of grace that extends far beyond anything that I ever deal with. Now, Romans chapter 12, Paul's teaching, he says this. He says, I'm saying this through the grace that was given to me, the empowerment as an apostle. He says, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think of yourself, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. And then he goes on and he says, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. Now listen to me. I'm going to, hopefully this will help you. This helped me anyway. Um, 
I'm talking about God's giving you a measure of grace. God gives you a measure of faith. And God gives you a gift. If you say, what is that all about? Let me tell you what it's about. Every single one of us has been empowered to be part of the body of Christ. Every single one of you has been empowered by grace to, be, to fulfill a calling that God has in your life. And all of our callings are unique, just like the body is unique. Just like the thumb can't say to the foot, I don't have any need of you. Or, or the eyeball say to the elbow, we don't need you today. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever it might be, the kneecap, the, whatever part of the body you think you can't do without, you need anyway in your life. That's just the reality. Amen? As a matter of fact, the older I get, the more I realize I have more parts of my body that I even knew existed because more aches than it ever did before. But the thing is, as God says, you've been given a measure of faith, and then it ties it to gifts. Why? Because every gift requires faith. And the gifts are, there's, there's so many gifts that, that you can go into, but there's about 27 to 29 that you can identify in Scripture. Some of them are um, a message in tongues, given, uh, you know, a message in tongues, interpretation tongues. We Pentecostals usually gravitate towards that. But there's gifts of leadership. There's gifts of hospitality. There's gifts of generosity. There's gifts of healings. How many of you know that we need people with the gifts of healings in our church? And I'm telling you, that, that is true, where people can come up and lay hands on you. So many people think, well, that's got to be the pastor's job. It is not the pastor's job. It could be your job to have a, a prophetic gift or your job, your calling, your faith that has a gift of wisdom. Whatever it is, you've got all these gifts. And when all the gifts are acting in accordance to, to God, and we're all in unity, and we all are fulfilling what God has called us to do, then the church becomes effective. When one gift looks down on the other gift, it says, well, listen, and I'm going to use pastor as, as an example, because this is not his heart. I can tell you that right now, or her heart. But when we say, well, you're not the guy in charge. I'm the one that preaches every Sunday. I'm the one that draws everyone in this house. It's me and me alone, my gift. Bless me, Jesus. Amen. All right, then I would say, all right, uh, then all the nursery workers, y'all are released, and, uh, and we're going to let all the kids come in here next Sunday. Let's see how long that train rides. <laughs> Why? Because that nursery worker that has a calling and a gifting and grace on their life to be back there to minister to kids is just as important as a hospitality greeter out here, just as important as a youth leader back here, just as important as a minister of music up here, just as important as a senior pastor. Why am I saying that? Because it's freeing. Once you walk in grace and you say, I'm not going to let sin bind me anymore, and once you begin to figure out God's empowered me, and then he gives you a measure of faith. Listen, I might not have faith for millions, but you might have faith for healing. You might have faith for millions, whatever it is. I'm going to have grace. And by the way, what does the Bible say? It says that it is through grace by faith that we are saved, right? So it's through this empowerment that I access it by faith. I have a measure of, and then God says with this measure of faith, I give you a gift that matches the faith that you have. Does that make sense? Why are you struggling because you're not like someone else? Be yourself in Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible also says to serve one another. So there are moments in our life that God's not wanting your gift to be, uh, you know, to be predominant. He's trying to teach us servanthood. So there are moments that we say, hey, in fact, Chad was great at this. Chad and Teresa helping start that church. But there's a lot of things that, 
that wasn't on the portfolio. We need you to clean that toilet. We need you to go mop up uh, all the water that keeps coming up out in the foyer, if y'all remember that. The commode would always overflow, you know. I mean, we need you to do that. You don't sit there and say, well, I don't have that, I don't have that gift, you know. Chad's got that gift right there, though. <laughs> Chad, Chad can mop, man. If you even want a mopper, he's the mopper, you know. <laughs> what we need to do is say, God, I want grace, and by faith, I'm going to employ my gift for your glory. And what happens is the body exalts the head, which is Jesus. And when he's lifted high, what happens? Everybody's drawn to him. Would you bow your heads right now? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness, your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for pastors that love their people, that serve their people. Lord, your people, really, because they're under shepherds. And, Lord, they're not here today just because... It's an accident or because they don't have any other place to go. Lord, they chose to be in this house. They're pursuing you already. They're loving you already. But I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus for that empowerment that would demolish the works of the enemy, that would tear down shame, that, God, that we'd be able to walk in mercy and forgiveness but be empowered, Lord, not to sin again and return to those things. I'm praying for that right now. In the name of Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed. I keep getting this in my spirit. I don't know why, and if I've missed it, then I've missed it. And I'm not even going to call you out. I'm just going to say this. There's someone in here in your marriage, you're doubting your marriage, you're doubting uh, whatever, you're struggling with your love for your spouse or their love for you. There's something going on that there's just this grating conflict happening, okay? And I'm telling you, the devil's trying to, and I'm not even trying to be super spiritual. I, you know, we all can say what well, the devil wants that. But this is a demonic attack trying to rip from you the promises of God. And I'm telling you, you need to focus on the Lord. You need to focus on yourself. Uh, seeking God, don't worry about your spouse. And you need to pray for your spouse and love your spouse. And I believe God's going to restore that thing. I really do. In such a way that it's going to be a magnification of his glory in your life. People will look and say, wow, man, isn't God good? Uh, I don't know who that's for. I'm not sure um, everything about that, but I really feel like that's, that's a specific word for someone this morning. If you hear this morning, you say, Pastor, I've got a sin issue, and maybe it's bound you in the past. Maybe you're actively in it. I don't know. But whenever I'm preaching about grace, it comes up in your mind. You're thinking about that. Because the devil's lying to you. He's trying to bind you to that thing. And I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus, that thing is broken over your life. But if you have something, you say, I give it to God. I want more grace, more grace. Just lift up your hand right where you're sitting. Just lift it up high. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I see that. You can put it down. I see that one. You can put it down. I see that one. You can put it down. Anybody else? Just be honest. Just say, this is who I am. This is where I am. This is my struggle. I give it to God. Anyone else? Okay, thank you. You can put it down. Man, God's going to meet you. God's going to set you free. Anybody else? Anybody else? I think I saw five hands go up, I believe, if I counted correctly. Okay, then I want everyone to stand with us because we're going to move into uh, um, showing appreciation to our pastors. But before we move to that, I want us to have a word of prayer. And if you lifted your hand, if you were sincere with that, I'm telling you, your world is about to change. Now, let me tell you this one thing. You've got to get into the Word, and the Word has got to get into you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you things, but the Holy Spirit has already spoken through the Word of God. You need to read God's love letters to you. And if you start getting there and digesting it and meditating on thinking of it, it gives you a structure that God can work in and through your life.
Does that make sense? The Word of God empowers you. It empowers you because it's God's Word. It's living. It's active. And it will expose sin. And then that's where the Spirit jumps in and says, but I've got grace. So I encourage you. If you lifted your hand, especially for you, get in the Word. Let the Word get in you. Can we just pray for one another real quick? Father, for every hand that was lifted, Lord, this morning, that said, here it is, God. Here's my struggle. This is what I'm dealing with, Lord. This is the area, Lord. I don't even know what it is. But thank goodness I don't have to know. You know everything. You see everything. And, Father, um, for the honesty, the transparency, and the courage to lift up hands, Lord, to say, God, I want you. I pray, Lord, that you, Lord, would in return, Father, meet them right now. Lord, we confess our sins to you. We confess our faults to you. And, Lord, we lean in now and we desire grace. Breathe into us grace this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, for, for the one with the marriage issues, I, I just, I don't know who that is. If they're in this room, maybe they're not. Maybe it's someone that, that we, we're praying for. That could be it. But I believe they're here. God, maybe even no one else knows, but I'm praying, Lord, restoration right now. I'm praying, Lord God, that you would come in, that you would redeem, that we would shut off the voice of the enemy that's lying to us even now, telling us to leave, telling us to get out, that's go ahead and give up. God, that, that is not you. So I'm praying, Lord, restoration in that marriage. Completely, Lord, the way you just said it to us, that we would marvel at your grace in that life, in that home. In Jesus' name, Lord, we give you praise, Lord, for all of us. We prophesy grace over this house. Empower this house. Empower all of us that we would find our giftings, that we would walk in our measure of faith, that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' wonderful, precious name, all God's people said, Amen. God. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. or Wednesdays at 630 p.m. Have a blessed day.